Hi, welcome to Office Hours, a podcast presented by College Fashionista. It's Amy Levin here. For those of you new this week, each episode of this series has a special guest who will share insight on life, careers, and their story to success. Today is our latest episode with Executive Fashion Director at Cosmo and 17, Aya Kanai. Along with her daily duties at the Hearst Tower, Aya is about to start filming another season of Project Runway Junior. Welcome, Aya. We're excited to chat. Welcome, Aya. I didn't know about the puppeteer situation. Oh, yeah. What's the deal there? I was an art student in college, and I was really interested in sculpture and performance. So when you bring those two things together, one of the things that exists is experimental puppet theater. So I got really into making and performing puppetry. And I think that kind of like what what you and I always talk about, where with our careers, like we really create a world, populate it with people and create images. That's kind of what I've always been driven by creatively. It so happens that when I was 18, I thought I was going to be a puppeteer and I thought that was going to be how I would bring my creativity into the world. That's crazy. What an interesting, like, random fun fact about you. Well, I went to a liberal arts college. Yeah, where did you go to school? In Ohio called Oberlin. Yes, it is the school where uh, Lena Dunham went. Nice. And (laughs) several other actually interesting creative people. The kind of creative people that go to a school like Oberlin kind of nurtures experimentation. So you liked Oberlin. You liked that experience. If you could go back, would you have gone to a fashion school knowing that you wanted to go into fashion or knowing that you were eventually going to go into fashion? Definitely not. As a high school and a college student, I will be honest in saying that I did not know what I wanted to do. I knew that I wanted to have a the kind of career that would allow me to be creative, but I didn't know what form that would take. So for me, going to a liberal arts college like Oberlin, where you get a really well-rounded education, was more appropriate. I think that other people who know they're going to be doctors, it's appropriate for them to start on that path really early because, goodness, it takes a long time to get there. But for me, because I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do, I needed to gain a solid educational foundation because I knew that that would be something I would use no matter what. Right. And I think that's important. I, th- I think that's still like, even though we're in a time where everyone seems to like have their whole life plotted out from age 16, still having a strong foundation in communications and writing and business, like that's never going to go away. That's totally. always going to be important. And, you know, it's interesting because we are um, hosting a summer camp this summer with girls from around the country who are in high school. And so it's a 17 fashion experience, it's called. And we did our first Q&A with the girls and they are asking like specific questions about like, how do I get your job? What is the exact path? What are the steps I need to take? And I want to give them as much information as possible. Like that is my deepest desire. But there is definitely, that answer doesn't exist. And if you think that that answer is going to exist, then you're going to take yourself down like a really wacky path. Yeah. You know, and it's not that that those people won't put in all of their best efforts because, of course, they will. But but they want like this one word answer that's like, if you do this, you will become fashion director of Cosmo. And <laughs> wouldn't it be nice if it was that easy? <laughs> if only. Yeah. 
Let's start at the beginning. When you first graduated college, what was your first job? I was a juice bar attendant at a vegan restaurant in the East Village called Angelica Kitchen. I carried around like 50-pound bags of carrots. <laughs> it was like serious labor. That's so um, funny. And at night, I would perform in experimental puppet theater. I lived at my parents' house. And I'm lucky that my parents live in New York, so I was actually able to live at my parents' house for a little while because I definitely didn't make enough money to pay for rent when I worked at the juice bar. That's shocking. And then at that time, I had done an internship while I was in college at New York Magazine, and I had worked for a woman there who, a few years later, gone on to work at Vogue. So when I applied to work at Teen Vogue, and they saw her name on my resume, and they were like, oh, can we call Sally to see what she thinks of you? And I was like, okay. I didn't even realize that she had gone to Vogue at that point. Right. And then I was really lucky to have gotten that job, you know, the next day because she gave me a, a good recommendation. And so I was on the original staff at Teen Vogue. I think there were about 15 of us that worked there. It's crazy. And what was your role? I was the assistant. I was the bottom feeder, help everyone, do anything, fashion assistant. I think the appropriate term <laughs> is closet assistant, which means that you check in and check out all the clothing. You make sure that everything is organized for the editors to go through the racks. And you are basically packing and unpacking bags all day long, tracking packages, finding missing items. It's Chaos. a serious organizational task. Do you have appreciation for your closet assistance now, knowing oh. that you were once one and like knowing how the whole thing works? A hundred percent. When I got this job at Cosmo 17, I decided not to have an office. Because, yeah, you're in there. Yeah, in the because closet. I wanted to, I didn't want to be secluded from the real goings on of what was happening in our department. And I wanted to be more exposed. And I had read something once about how the mayor of New York, before he was the mayor, the previous mayor, um, Bloomberg, when he ran the newspaper, he was stood at a desk right in the middle of the office right. and anyone could walk up to him. And I sometimes think that the way that traditional offices are physically structured doesn't make sense for collaboration. Right. And sometimes creates a hierarchy that, to be frank, is irrelevant anymore. So I have a standing desk in our closet. And the result of that is that I hear about all this stuff that I would never have known about yeah. if I wasn't there. You're in the trenches of it. Yeah. And, you know, I have also the ability to, like, turn off my ears. So if I need to really concentrate on a presentation that I'm making or do something that requires like no noise. I do have the ability to either put on headphones or or just like kind of like cancel out the noise of people talking. But on the flip side, I do have a greater exposure to what's going on and that's really important to me. Well, and you're you seem accessible. I mean, the best managers lead by example. And if you're in an office and you're just sitting there and you're not rolling your sleeves up, then it's hard to motivate people to want to work and do what they do for you. That's so, that's great that you think like that when you're in a pretty corporate company here. Because all the new companies, that's how they're all set up. And I think that 
more so in fashion because our department collaborates so much on every single project that we work on. If we were all completely remote from each other, it's like a barrier to working and getting things done, not a help. So, you know, it really does speed things along. What's it like splitting up your role? Because you oversee Cosmo and Seventeen. How do you divide the two brands since they are different audiences and they do have different looks and feels? So when Cosmo and Seventeen merged, or rather I should say that Cosmo sort of took on Seventeen, the reason why I think it wasn't so painful of a transition was because we made a really clear org chart. And it sounds like corporate and boring, but I wanted to make sure that everyone on the team, like, had a crystal clear understanding of what their role and responsibilities are. And because, hey, we're fashion editors, we're all busy people, you need to see, like, okay, where is my place within this organization in a a new system that nobody has considered before? Right. So, I mean, honestly, it was like PowerPoint. I just, like, made a really clear PowerPoint that was, like, here's each person, here's the role that they play, here's how they contribute to the one magazine, here's how they contribute to the other magazine, here's how we're going to do our ideas meetings. And just so that from a pure operations management point of view, no one would be confused. Now, that's not to say that we didn't have like a three-month like, whoa, like roller coaster where we were all like, oh my God, this deadline, that deadline. There's always a curveball. But the happy result is that doing Cosmo and Seventeen makes the whole thing like more fun and more interesting. It ended up being like an exciting creative opportunity in addition to great for the company. Right. You get to think about a larger audience Mm -hmm. in different points in a woman's life, which is nice because it never gets repetitive, you know? Totally. Let's talk about cover stars since you've worked with a lot of very interesting celebrities styling them. Mm -hmm. What's that process like? The process of styling celebrities truly begins with the individual because it's my objective whenever I go on set, especially with like an A-list celebrity, to give them a great experience. Not because I want to be their best friend, but because we get the best art when the talent is happy and having a good time. And comfortable. Exactly. And it's like if the person isn't having fun, they will get tired easily. They will just have a sourpuss face on. Like So I want to make sure that when I'm selecting looks, I really keep in mind their personal style, but amped up a bit. So I do a lot of research about everything that they have worn, every brand that they have worn, the whole shebang, like every magazine editorial they have done so that I am like 100% versed on what the past is. And then I start creating boards from all the runway collections of what I think would be fun and appropriate and interesting and push the boundaries on what we could do with her based on everything that I have researched. So it it is like doing a little research project. On the day that we shot Zendaya for Cosmo, we also shot her for a 17 cover. So it was like a little double header. We split the day in half, half for one magazine and half for the other magazine. And you will see in the images that like, she looks very different in one versus the other. The kind of fashion that I picked for the one magazine versus the other is completely different. That's cool. But because 
Zendaya herself is a such a great model and such a great talent. She can completely pull off changing personalities. Yeah, she can which you do know so many different. There are clubs. certain people who are just special like that, and. From for us, she is appropriate for both magazines. Right. So that's something that we had never done before, is like put together a cover double header. But it works for someone like her because she is squarely within the reader interest of both books. Right. Has there been a favorite cover um, star for me? Because like I'm a child of the '90s, like. I love Scarlett Johansson. I love Gwen Stefani. You know, like, I mean, those are my people. That said, I will say our uh, current cover is Ashley Graham, and um, I had the best time working She's with her. She's awesome. Our girls love her. Oh, my God. The woman is like a nonstop dance party. She comes in with, like, tons of energy. She is, like, kind to everyone. She will learn the names of all the assistants and call them by name. Like, she just has everyone falling in love with her because the energy that she brings into the room – I'm, like, getting emotional just thinking about it. Like, it's really when you realize that there's people with, like, star power, and that's just – Definitely. Who they are. She is one of those people with star power and she is so benevolent with it because that's also just who she is. I'm happy to hear that. Going back to your 20s, would you change anything about your journey? I would not change anything about my journey, but I do think that in my 30s, I have made an effort to create more um, like certain structures in my life and certain routines that create um, like a healthy day. I think that for me in my 20s, I was, you know, going after my career and nonstop trying to do the best job that I could, that I didn't pay that much attention to this sounds cheesy, but like what was going on inside of me. Yeah. Because I know that I didn't do it then, I make an effort now to have certain parts of my day be about like connecting with myself because I have to give so much out into the world all day long that if I don't take time in the beginning and the end of the day to connect with myself, then I just start like You're not productive. Underperforming. You're not, yeah, you're not thinking right. Um, We're also in a time where I feel like that's made more aware to people. Like in your 20s, meditating and fitness, and that just wasn't stress as much health. Like we're in a health moment. Totally. I do three pages of journaling in the morning. I do this thing called morning pages where you write three pages without stopping. Um, just like what's in your mind. What's Get in it, it It's like a total brain dump. Yep. And it comes from this book called The Artist's Way that I highly recommend. I drink the juice of half a lemon, then in the evening I'll do 20 minutes of meditation. I like that. I like that whole lineup. Yeah. I read something like, what's the first thing that you do before you go to bed and wake up? And everyone said their phone. And it's like, how do you think your significant other feels? Like the first thing you do when you wake up is look at your phone and not say like, hi, good morning. And I read that and I was like, done. I'm not sleeping with my phone by me because I don't want that. I don't want that to be my reality. It's a game changer. Well, I could keep talking to you forever. Love I know, you but so I much. really, I know, you I adore. I advice. mean, no, I think it really is something that, as a person in my 
30s, I wish I would have known in my 20s that you can go after having an epic, awesome career and still make time for yourself. And it doesn't have to be like, I'm going to go to a ranch in you know, Malibu and it's going to cost X amount of thousands of dollars. And it doesn't have to be all that kind of stuff. Not that that stuff isn't great too, but that everything that I try to do is stuff that is like technically either very cheap or free. Yeah. Just involves you. And just involves you. Whereas like in my 20s, I was like trying to figure out what app is going to help me organize my life the best and all that kind of stuff. Like now I like write things down on an index card and then they get done. Basic. Yeah. Yeah. I think there is a certain element of simplification that helps you like get straight to the point. The last questions are just short one word answers. Newspaper, magazine, or online content? Well, it's a trick question because I work at, a, at two magazines. So, I mean, I have to say all of it. I think that... One uh, word. One word. <laughs> all of it. Okay. Sneakers or heels? Sneakers. Staycation or vacation? Vacation. And you're off to Italy? Yes. Cool. Thank you, Aya, so much. We're so happy to have you. My pleasure. It's always great to see you. Thank you, Aya, for talking to us. I hope you will join us for our next Office Hours conversation and be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes. Until then, 